This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome in to the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Mark Schlereth alongside Mike Evans, Scott DeHub, producing the show. I'm telling you what, another great weekend. The divisional round of the playoffs was off the chain. Mike, how are you, buddy? Man, it was it was a good weekend, not as great as wild card weekend. Um, you know, we had we had, you know, the, the Minnesota San Francisco game wasn't very exciting. Um but, you know, overall not a bad weekend and and, and a very revealing weekend. I got I got to ask you, what happened to the revolution? What happened yeah. to Lamar Jackson? Yeah. I'm going to be a little snarky here because you know me, I've been very reluctant to hop aboard the Lamar Jackson bandwagon because right. I just you know everyone wants to say here it is the guy that is changing football right. changing the way football is played at the quarterback position and I'm one of those guys that sits back and says hmm you know what for about 50 years we've been crowning Super Bowl champions and the quarterbacks that win Super Bowls kind of do it a similar way and you're telling me one guy's going to come along and turn all of that on its ear overnight I didn't buy it then and I think the results of Saturday night proved it. Well, I don't know. I don't think it proved it. I, I don't think that at all. I think what ended up happening is, and, and this, you know, I, I'll go back to my own career and what I know, and I'll never forget, and you were covering the Denver Broncos or you've been around the Denver Broncos for a long time. In 1996, the Denver Broncos were 13-3, and the number one overall seed, and we had a bunch of injuries at the end of the season. So nobody played week 17. You know, we clinched it. We were all good. Nobody really played. And then we had the bye week. And then there's almost like it's too much time for the coaches. There's too much time we have to prove but we can do a bunch of other things, right? Like, well, what if they take this away from us? We've got to do this, that, and the other. And I think one of the big things, to, I mean, Greg Roman, you caught out of what you do, you threw it 59 times. And I understand, right? You threw it 59 times, and oh, by the way, at halftime, you were down 14 to 6, and you threw it 59 times. You got away from what you are. You got away from what you do now, I'll give the Tennessee Titans a ton of credit because they played their asses off, Mike. They they completely dominated the line of scrimmage on both sides. So I'll give them, like, I'm going to give them their due. But it was almost like you wanted to prove that you could do more than what got you to that point. And you're a football team to me that has to stick with what brought you there. And this happened to us in 1996 we run roughshod through everybody. We run the ball on everybody. Terrell Davis has 1,700-plus yards rushing the football. We're always giving it to him, what, 25, 26, 27 times a game? And we put in a game plan to face the Jacksonville Jaguars where, depending on what defense they were in, 
we could check out to the quote-unquote perfect play. Like, hey, if they give us this, though, we're checking out to this throw. And if they give us this, we're checking out to this throw because it's the perfect play, right? And at the end of the day, a guy that had 1,700-plus yards and carried the ball 25-plus times a game got 12 carries for like 95, 96 yards or 14, something ridiculous, like half the number of carries he normally gets, and we end up losing a game to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And honestly, it may be it may be what propelled us to back-to-back championships, but most of us in that locker room feel like we'd have won three in a row, like we were that good. And so I'm just letting you know that some of that, Mike, to me, is the Baltimore Ravens going, uh-oh, we have to have the perfect plan, and panicking and getting out of it because they're down 14 to 6. Well, what kind of lessons did they learn moving forward? Does well, does is Lamar Jackson is is there okay, yes. They they no. ran they didn't run the ball enough, but early on in that game he did throw a couple of shaky passes. He he threw interceptions. He just did not look like the mm-hmm. same quarterback. This did not look like the right. same offense. So is there something to the idea that during the regular season this is an offense that will rack up yards and rack up points, but once you get into the postseason where the, the you know the scouting becomes even more tight, the game planning becomes even more tight that what they're doing is it, it, it's susceptible to this come playoff time. I mean, you got you got members of their own team saying that they're a team that's great in the regular season, but come playoff time, they choke. Well, I, I, I'll tell you, I, I think there's a couple of things. You know, you want to talk about perfect storm stuff. I thought Dean Pease, the defense coordinator of Tennessee, put a great game plan together. I thought they did a tremendous job of their fits and – being, um, you know, being being disciplined, like in the regular run stuff. So there were times where if you go back and watch it, and you watch the coaches' tape, man, they're pinching a defensive tackle. They're pinching down a linebacker who's filling a, a, on a B-gap, for instance, and then the A-gap or inside linebacker who would normally be in charge of the A-gap is looping around those two pinchers to take the C-gap. Like, they changed they, – they adjusted – their scheme, instead of reading and reacting, which you normally get, what they did was they were the aggressors. And they did those things, and they fit perfectly. And anything that got to the edge, man, their corners became big-time run support, big-time run defenders, kind of the you know crack-replace principles. I thought they were tremendous in that. Now, they gave up some big plays in the running game to Lamar Jackson on broken plays. I think they went in saying, what we're going to do is we're going to beat you in the running game. We're going to clog the middle of the football field. We're going to beat you on first down, and we're going to put you in second and long. And we don't believe, we don't believe that um, that Lamar Jackson can beat us throwing the football, especially outside the numbers. Because when you watch them over the course of, over the course of the season, they ran the ball so effectively that everybody was in eight and nine man boxes, either single high or, or or zero coverage, and they had one route, like one receiver routes. Lamar Jackson threw the seams and he threw shallow crosses to tight ends, and he ate people up throwing that. And basically, Tennessee said, "That's not how you're gonna you're gonna have to win 
throwing it outside the numbers on the edge of the football field. And there were some really poorly thrown, errant thrown footballs out there because that's not his strong suit. But I will tell you this about Lamar. The improvements he made from year one to year two were dramatic. The improvements he made in the passing game were dramatic. And if he continues to work and make those improvements again, like with what they do in Baltimore, they're still they're just going to be really hard to defend. Now, we'll see because he's going to have to make those improvements because you know what's going to happen, Mike, and you know this. Like, Wildcat was all the rage for a couple of years. Now there's one team in the league that consistently runs it because they've got a – a freak show in Taysom Hill, and that's and that's New Orleans, and they don't major in it. Like teams figure out how to deal with it, and they shut it down. So teams are going to figure out, you know, what Lamar is and what this offense is, and they're going to get better and better at defending it. And he's going to have to get better and better as a pure drawback passer. So while everyone's always looking for the next big thing, maybe <laughs> what what's what's old is is new. Uh, how about? Derrick Henry and what the Titans are doing, hearkening back to the days, well, when you played, when there was that true workhorse, bell cow running back, the idea that I'm not even warming up until I've had my you know 20th carry, and I'm only better and stronger the more I carry the football deeper into games. We're watching that with Derrick Henry. Sure. This is, this is remarkable. The percentage of the offense that he's making up and I mean Ryan Tannehill has won at New England and at Baltimore he's knocked off Tom Brady and and Lamar Jackson you know throwing for about 150 combined yards yeah he's throwing about 75 yards a game you're 100 right I, I will I will tell you this it's interesting you know as I was going back and, and kind of breaking that game down and looking at the coaches tape um, everybody wants to say that you know, Sean McVay, law, like the, the league caught up to Sean McVay. Hey, did you hear that at all this year? Like the league caught oh, up yeah, to Sean sure, McVay. He's sure. not good anymore. Like they know what he's doing. And then I flip on Tennessee film and I start watching Roger Saffold at left guard. Just absolute. I mean, he's pile driving defensive linemen 12 yards down the football field, Mike. Like the the line, the way that they're winning the line of scrimmage is, I mean, it's dramatic. It's eye-popping. And, and I'm looking at it like, yeah, oh, yeah, Sean McVay forgot how to call plays. No, they lost a couple of their physical, just, just ass-whipping offensive linemen, and all of a sudden that, that running game that was dominant wasn't so dominant. Therefore, the play-action game isn't as, as nearly as good, and all of a sudden, you know, a quarterback that was – that was afforded that running game and wide open receivers in layered routes uh, on on the play action. All of a sudden, that guy's got to actually be a real live quarterback, and he's still young, and you know he regresses. And I, like I, I just like their offensive line dominated the line of scrimmage, absolutely dominated the line of scrimmage. Roger Saffold is a full grown ass man, and he, I mean, what the Baltimore Ravens have done to everybody all season long the Tennessee Titans did to the Baltimore Ravens. It was one of the most impressive, just one of the most impressive victories I've seen. But I will tell you this, and this is tried and true. Like, everybody's gotten away from the bell cow running back because of the lack of longevity or whatever or building an offensive line or, you know, frankly, it's probably more because 
you don't get if you if you develop a great running game and you're a coordinator, you know what you stay a coordinator. It's it's when you throw it and you get a young quarterback that has success. That's when you like that to me is Viagra for eighty year old owners, right? <laughs> that, they're like, and oh not, my god, out of that. That's a good one, that's right? Good, yeah, they're like, I've had this thing for three days. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's that's what it is. So like, for a quick, get me to Orchards of Asia, right? What? <laughs> what? Too soon? Uh, yeah, that is that. Uh, all right, strike that from the record, but don't. <laughs> um, so, like, if, that's what they—that's what everybody wants. They want, oh, it's going to be, you know, it's going to—it's going to do this, that, and the other. I—I I, I just think the running game that way for for there's not one offensive lineman that will ever tell you I'd rather throw it fifty times than run it fifty times. Everybody wants to come off the ball. Everybody wants to impose their will on the defense. Deep playing defense is harder, man. It's more exhausting. It's more tiring. And if we can lean on you, it's like, you know, it's like Muhammad Ali in the, you know, the rope-a-dope uh, or, or, you know, the, the boxer that goes to the body, 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 and it doesn't look like he's doing anything. And all of a sudden the hands drop, the guy's exhausted, the guy can't breathe, and then he knocks him out in the 12th. That's what the running game is. And, you know, I mean, you lean on people, lean on people, lean on people, lean on people, and – you know, we used to say it all the time when I played in Denver. It's like, hey, man, those three- and four-yard gains in the first and second quarter are 14- and 15-yard gains in the fourth quarter. That's just the way it is, and, and you're seeing that. You're seeing this 90s football come to fruition, and you saw it with Minnesota. You saw it with San Francisco. You've seen it with the Tennessee Titans. You've seen it all season with the Baltimore Ravens. You've seen, like, that's – you see it with the Seattle Seahawks for crying out loud. Like, you think about it. The top ten rushing teams, seven of them were in the playoffs. Of the top ten passing teams, three of them made the playoffs. And I know the stats get a little skewed because you're behind and all that kind of crap. But the bottom line, if you control the line of scrimmage, this is what this tells me. You control the line of scrimmage, you win. That's NFL football. I'd um, I like to apologize for my previous comment. Uh, I didn't mean to say... Um Orchards of Asia. I meant to say orchids of Asia. So, oh, yeah, that is my, I was my say, mistake. Because you're not you're not sending people to the right uh, the right institution right. of healing. I don't want them to go to orchards of Asia. It's orchids of Asia. Uh, right. It, it, the thing about San Francisco, though, you're you're right. Same result. Same effective running game. Same dominating running game. But boy, they do it a, a lot different. Like I went into that game the other day. Thinking that okay, it's going to be Raheem Most, uh, Mostert that's going to get, you know, it's going to be the guy that right. you know he'd sort of separated himself from the pack of Matt Breida and and Tevin Coleman, and yet Tevin Coleman, <laughs> you know, in the in the NFC divisional playoff, that is the time that Kyle Shanahan turns to him for a season high in carries. Right, he ended up carrying the ball twenty two times. Yeah, Kyle Shanahan is just so good. He's just. I mean, is so, that done by design, or is it literally they go into every game? Hey, we've got these three running backs. We're going to give all three a taste, and we'll just see who the hot hand is. I, I think. I think sometimes it's that way. Sometimes it's by design. Sometimes it's because somebody has an injury. So, and like, 
I think there's a million different things that go into it. I think sometimes they're like, hey, man, this the defense, the style of the defense, uh, this running back fits it better. You know, like, hey, we're going we're gonna to run a little more scheme runs, and we want to get to the outside a little bit more. So we're going to go with Brita on a kind of a downhill pitch outside play because that guy runs a 4-3-40. Or, hey, man, um, we're going to be inside the tackles a little bit more, and we want a little bit more physical guys. So we're going to go with Mostart. Or, you know, Tevin Coleman, we want to use a mixture – of the outside-inside game, but we want a guy that's going to catch the ball really well on the backfield, too, in a passing threat. So we're going to – like, you're going to get – like, it's a game plan situation. And, you know, I was talking to Ben Garland, who uh, is their starting center right now, and a guy that, Mm. you know, I help kind of – I help kind of him transition – from a defensive lineman out of Air Force to offensive lineman with the Denver Broncos. So he's a guy that I took a lot of, you know, I, I just took a lot of time with um, and, and tried to, he reached out to me for help and I tried to help him. Seriously, right? you guys would be on your front lawn. Yeah. Working out, right? All the time. Yeah. He'd come over, my wife would cook us dinner and uh, I'd take him outside and try to beat him up. Neighbors um, would go by and they're like, oh, look at Mark Schlereth playing with his friends on the front front yard going right, through offensive right. line I sets. Used, I used to actually have the tight end coach lived in the in the same neighborhood and he'd be walking and I'd be on the lawn <laughs> working with young guys in my on my front lawn and he'd be like, yeah, I, I know he just thought I was an idiot, but um, but yeah, Ben Garland's still there. Yeah, must, Ben Garland must have done playing. something right, and that and that coach got fired. So. <laughs> <laughs> And anyhow, but stink but ben, once again gets the last laugh, right? But Ben, like I'm doing a, a Niners game this year, and um, and Ben, we're we're warming up, and Ben comes over to me, and and so we talk a little bit, you know, and just kind of chopping it up. And so I was asking him about Kyle, and he goes, "One, just his honesty." Like he came to me, and goes, "Hey man, you're a backup. Here's what I'm going to pay you if you can get more going somewhere." great you know knock yourself out but you'll be my backup you'll make the team as my backup and at some point if somebody gets hurt we're gonna need you but this is what we can afford and it was just like completely honest is like you know you're not competing for a starting job you're this is what you're gonna be and then you know uh weston richburg gets i think it's weston richburg is their center gets hurt and ben's been starting for the last you know last half of the season or last you know quarter of the season whatever it is and He's like, hey, listen, man, I've never been around a guy. I've never been in all the offensive meetings and stuff that, that is better than Kyle, what Kyle Shanahan does. He, he, he like, he'll sit there in a meeting and say, hey, guys, here's uh, Friday. You know, we're going through the game plan, right? Now, here's a run that we've put in. And he's like, we're going to run this in the game six times. He goes, we're going to run it six times. And this play ain't worth a shit. We're going to average two yards per carry on this play because we're going to run it into this look that they give us in this formation, and it's not worth a shit, and we're going to get two yards per carry. But we're going to hit three explosive pass plays off of this exact look because they're going to give us this defense, they're going to give us this coverage, they're going to give us this look, and we're going to hit three 20-plus yard plays we're going to run it four times. We're going to hit three of them for 20-plus yards. So eventually, what's it going to be? It's going to be 12 yards. We're going to average two yards carry on those six plays. But three other plays, we're going to get 20-plus yards. So at the end of the day, we're going to have almost 100 yards off of the combination of these two plays, and we're going to run, uh, uh, and we're going to run it right nine times. So you do the math. 100 
divided, you know, 100 divided by 9. And you tell me what per play that is, right? How many yards per play that is. And off of that, we're going to get, you know, we're going to get, you know, a one touchdown. So we're going to average over 11 yards per play on these two combined plays. We're going to get one touchdown, and we're going to have 100 yards of offense. So understand why I'm calling this and and commit to it. Run it as hard as you can, even though you know we're only going to get two yards on this son of a you know gun. Like that is, Mike, that is explaining the problems, explaining the issues, telling your offense exactly why you're doing it, and then going out and executing it, and it all coming to fruition. Why is and, that and, so rare? Why? Because what you're describing sounds like it. It should be the way you do it. It it, it sounds simple. It sounds logical. Why is Shanahan's approach and his honesty? Why does it stand out so much to a guy like Ben Garland who's been around a lot? I, I just I think that most guys one don't have the confidence or the balls to explain it that way. The other thing is is they're worried. Most guys are worried about. Oh, like if I get a two, if I have a couple of two-yard plays, you know, then then they get off the they get off that play, right? They're afraid to continue with that play. I think the other thing is, how do you design plays? Like, how do you like how do you like? I'll, I'll give you a for instance. I had I had a coach this year, and I'm just not I'm not going to give you names, but I'm in a production meeting on a Saturday. With a with a you know an NFL head coach, and so I asked him a question. I said, "Well, what did you think of your your red zone execution last week?" And yeah, you know, they didn't they they didn't have any. I mean, they, I think they they scored one touchdown. They were down in the red zone. They had twelve plays. They scored one touchdown. They just didn't. There wasn't a lot of production. Um. It was something of that nature. I can't give you the exact details, but it was it they they were down in the red zone a bunch and they just didn't they didn't come away with a lot of touchdowns, okay? Let's just leave it at that, right? So I asked about the red zone. He goes, "Ah, oh, you know, I I really liked what we did. I liked the plan. You know, we just had a couple of execution issues, blah 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 blah." I go, "Okay, you know, and he goes, uh, there's only one play that I would have really called back." And I was like, "Well, what was that?" And he said, "Da da da da." And we we had this conversation. I'm like, "Great." And so we move on, and then we kind of end and, you know, say, all right, see you later. He goes, uh, why did you ask me, like, why did you ask me about the Red Zone stuff? I said, I don't know. I was just, I was just wondering. It was just interesting to me because as I watched it, I, I, you know, I was just kind of wondering what the plan was. And he's like, well, what did you think? <laughs> I was like, well, I don't know. So he's starting, to get, he's starting to get defensive. Right. Well, not, not even defensive, but he's just curious, okay. right? He's just curious. He's like, well, what did you think? And I was like, well, I don't, I don't like what you do in the red zone. <laughs> and he's like, well, why do you not like what I do in the red zone? And I go, because you gave me, in 12 plays, you gave me 12 distinctly different formations. And I go, so I always look at it from a problem standpoint, right? If you as a defender are defending 12 distinct formations, Every time you line up, it's something that you're honed into that's that's different. And I think one of the beauties about Kyle Shanahan is he'll give you he'll give you a lot of emotions and a lot of a lot of different things, 
but he'll give you the exact same concept, and they'll get to a formation, but they'll get to it from eight different ways, but they're still getting to the same formation. So ultimately, if you've got 11 guys, you've got nine guys running the exact same freaking thing and only two guys adjusting on motions and shifts and those things. And so the defense ends up seeing the exact same look, but now we're running distinctly different plays off the exact same look. So what you do for me as an offensive lineman is you make a defender have to think about two different things that could be coming at him from this particular formation or three different things. And if you just defended one, the odds are that that's what's in your mind. And now we come at the same look with the same formation with the same kind of action and we run something completely different. Guess what? It's like a pitcher that that has the same exact arm slot and the same exact release point and can throw four distinctly different pitches from that same arm slot and that same release point. Guess what? As a hitter, you got to guess. And when you guess, eventually you're going to guess wrong and we'll strike you out. Do you, do you see where I'm coming from? Unless you're playing the Astros or Red Sox. Right. Then you're just in trouble because, <laughs> you know, I mean, they just – got a system yeah they're banging on the trash can at that point right exactly well, okay. they're trash. Well, but you but you get what I i'm get saying what you're saying and so so and i want to i want to get to the the other game here i want to use that as a, a jumping off point because as you describe the brilliance of the shanahan offense you it, it's a lot of different looks that come from a similar look what what i'm curious is as i'm a fan watching the packers play uh-huh and, and i'm watching aaron Rodgers continuously hook up with uh, Devontae Adams. Right. And he's got no one else to throw to, or, or no one else that he wants to throw to. Right. He keeps looking for Devontae Adams. And everybody knows the ball's going to Devontae Adams. And yet, they keep hooking up. And he mm-hmm. keeps putting up numbers. And he keeps catching touchdowns. Meanwhile, I watched the, the Kansas City game, and... You know, I, I see Tyreek Hill routinely get taken out of games with double teams. Right. So, w- what's the difference? How is it that Tyreek Hill, we know that teams are paying attention to Tyreek Hill and they've had some success taking him out of games or at least neutralizing him? You would think that'd be the same game plan with, with Devontae Adams, but yet. He keeps getting open. Is that yeah. all Devontae Adams? Is that play designed by Matt LaFleur? What is it? I, well, I think it's a combination of things. I think I think Tyree Kill obviously has got unbelievable speed, but he doesn't have the size. So sometimes, you know, sometimes it's about the size and saying, hey, we could double team you over the top, but what we're going to do is we're going to run a slant, and my guy, even though you're trying to play, you know, you're trying to play on top of him and we're bracketing him, you know, high-low, my guy is still going to body your guy up, make a catch, and it's going to be an 11-yard gain. So there's some of that that goes in there, right? There's some of that dude's got a big body and he can basically box people out in certain situations. Um, so I think there's, I think there's some of that. Um, I think some of it is, is by design. So if we're getting in and out, you know, even though we're getting in and out, you know, if I can get on top of it, you know, I'm going to be wide open to the corner or whatever the case may be from a route design concept. And the fact that, you know, the fact that Aaron Rodgers is holding on even in double teams, if you have enough time and you can hold on, you know, you're going to effectively beat that as well. Whereas, whereas, let's face it, 
when you're talking about Patrick Mahomes, if you double team Tyree Kill, he's like great because I got one on ones with Travis Kelsey and we win instantly. Or Hardman or Robinson, you know, I mean, we're gonna win instantly in those. So there's a little bit there's a little bit uh, of a difference from that standpoint. Um, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs are are offensively they're tremendous. I mean, what they did coming back from you know twenty four nothing down, and and let's face it, I mean. There's a couple things that there's a couple things that happened to me. A lot of people were like, "Wow, I mean, you know, you you don't kick that field goal to go up twenty four nothing. You on fourth down and one, you go for it." I don't have any problem with him kicking the field goal and going up twenty four nothing, right? Because if you just make them, def- if you just defend a, a long field, now you can't give up a fifty eight yard you know return. And they had been that was their game plan. They pooch kicked off the whole time. They made them return. It was 17, it was 16, it was 15, then it was 58, right? And, and my big thing is make them defend the entirety of the field. You know, make them throw it underneath. And, and you know, and let's extend this game. Let's try to eat up the clock. Remember the first time they played Houston, beat them. Uh, they ran it for like 190 yards. So let's shorten the game. Let's eliminate possessions. Let's do all those things. So I don't have a problem with you kicking the field goal to go up 24 nothing. What I have a problem with is you taking a timeout and then after the game saying, "Well, we didn't have a we didn't have a good fourth and one play." You you're like that's just that's like you, the fact that you would say that is pure stupidity. You you've got one of the greatest quarterbacks and one of the great athletes of all time playing quarterback and you don't have a good fourth and one play? Stop it. Like stop stop like that just admit that you made a mistake. And then to go for a fake punt on your own 31, I think it was a 31-yard line on fourth down and four. And, oh, by the way, your personal protector moved from the right to the left back to the right. And you know who followed him? Sorensen the whole time. So what that's telling you is, hey, man, we're, 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 try, we're making sure we defend the fake punt, and I'm in man on that guy. So all of a sudden you, you snap it to the personal protector where well, that guy has just shown you? I've been involved, and I was never on the punt team, Mike. Um, I was never on the punt team. But I've been involved in a lot of special teams meetings. And for every 10 fake punts that are called, two are run. Eight Mm. are called off. Okay, interesting. All right. Eight eight of them are called off because, hey, we didn't get the look we wanted. I can't – like, the fact that that wasn't called off – when that dude is falling, that's why you're moving your personal protector back and forth to see if that dude moves with him, see if he's in man. So the fact that you can, you ran that and then you gave them another touchdown there, I just, I'm like, like that was really, I, I just thought that was poor management of the of of the game in general. And um and then and lastly I'll real, say this real about, quick real quick give, yeah. me, give me a thirty second answer is, yeah. is is Houston smart to continue on with Bill O'Brien? I think I think offensively the quarterback loves him. I think yeah I I think he's a, I think he's a good coach. I think he got I think he got completely like in that particular game like you don't expect to be up twenty four nothing right, and so now you're up twenty four nothing like. I, I don't. I just think he. I just think he had a couple of mental lapses in that game. Um, that that frankly, I, I'm not sitting there saying you need to fire Bill O'Brien, um, but 
I just think I think he had a really bad game from a, a management of game standpoint. But let me just say this about Kansas City. They're one of the few teams, man, they are so – their depth of talent. One, Andy Reid is a great designer of football plays and a great, you know, a great play caller, situational play caller. He's great. He is awesome. Um, they have – the depth of talents on that offense is unbelievable. And, and the thing to me that sets them apart from every other offense in the league right now is they'll empty it out. They will get five guys in the pattern 80, 85% of the time. And they're just like our five offensive linemen can hold up five one-on-ones. And you know what? There's just very few teams that can do that. They're, like you can do that when you – you when you're running it 35 or 40 times and you know and and you're really dominating the line of scrimmage and stuff and then you then you throw you know you run it 40 times and then you have 12 uh you have six boot keeps right and then you have a couple of sprint you know sprint right or sprint left and then you have three play actions or or five play actions and if you throw it 30 times you really have you really have Let's say in a thirty at thirty attempts, because you're running it so well, and because you're booting it, and because you're play action it, and you're run action, and and then play action, and, and let's say you have a total of ten out of the thirty attempts that it's actually truly five one on ones, right? You you can protect all day long doing that. Kansas City is the only team I see in the league that says, hey, we're gonna get five out eighty percent of the time, and you five hold up. And we're still going to throw it 35 times because you're really you're asking them of, of those 35 pass attempts. You're asking them to pick up one on one and block one on one 22, 23 times. Nobody there, there's nobody else that can hold up. No, it, it truly was astounding. And and def- in defense of Bill O'Brien, yeah, maybe he 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 did some things that that he looks back on and, and wishes he had done differently, but. How, how many NFL coaches could ever say they were, they've been involved in a game like that? I mean, 24 right. points down is supposed to be a death sentence in the playoffs. Yeah. You just don't come back from that. And if you do, you huff, you puff, and, and you pull it out at the end. You know, like the, the right. Patriots did against the, the Falcons in the Super Bowl. But they went from being 24 nothing down to up 28-24 at the half. And right. then went on and win 51-31 and making it look easy. Uh, mm. I, I, I can't ever recall seeing anything like that in, in the history of the uh, in the NFL playoffs. That's how special Kansas City was, and, and we'll see if they continue on. Hey, uh, it, this has been one of our longer podcasts, but it's been chock full of great stuff. One more thing i got to get to. Kevin Stefanski, the new head coach of the Cleveland Browns. Now, uh, this was a, a position that was rumored to be going to Josh McDaniels from New England, a, a Canton, Ohio right. guy. But one of the uh, reports that came out was that McDaniels turned down the job because of the demands that were being placed upon him by owner Jimmy Haslam. The The report went that what was being asked of the next coach of the Cleveland Browns was that by Friday, all the coaches were told that they would have to turn in their game plans to the owner and analytics staff basically to have them give the green light before those game plans could be used on Sunday. Tell me that's a joke. Tell me that those things – tell me that doesn't happen in today's NFL. I know analytics are all the rage in baseball especially, and we're seeing more and more of it in hockey and, and basketball. But tell me we're not getting to those lengths now in the NFL. Oh, I, I listen – I would love to tell you. I, I will. I'll tell you that in, you know, in in pretty much probably 
31 of 32 teams, it doesn't happen. Or maybe it's, you know, 30 of 32 teams where it doesn't happen. But just because you have a billion dollars doesn't mean you're a genius. Like, like Jimmy, what are you going to do, Jimmy Haslam? You're going to look at, you're going to look at, and I, I believe that that is true. But you were going to look at a game plan and go, hey, man, I don't like this. Uh, I don't like the 19 handoff weak call here because, uh, you know, that defensive end, the right defensive end is a pretty good edge setter, and that will linebacker can really run. And from a run support standpoint, that weak side corner, man, um, you know, on crack replace stuff, he's really good. Like, what the hell's Jimmy Haslam? Like, if you want to tell me the traffic patterns and the traffic flow of a truck stop, all right, I'm all ears, man. You want to tell me, you know, what microwavable foods are best to serve at a truck stop? Go. Like, hey, man, you got the Flying J or whatever the hell it is, right? But don't sit there and tell me about blocking schemes and you want to check off on game plans. You got, like, hey, Kevin Stefanski, good dude, like Kevin Stefanski. Kevin Stefanski will get fired after two. If that's the case, he'll be fired after two years, and the Cleveland Browns will continue to be looking for their next coach two years from now. What an abject! If that's true, and I believe it is true, what an abject disaster! And it just goes to prove that just because you have a billion plus dollars doesn't mean you're smart. On that note, once. The factory of sadness, I guess. Apparently, always the factory of sadness, huh? Right. You know, it's like you. It's like when you were a kid. You remember when you were a kid and you didn't want to eat dinner, and your parents would say, "Hey, the kids in Africa are starving," you know, or the kids in China. You know, didn't your parents say stuff like that to you? Right? They did. Like, think about this: if you're in an NFL franchise and you're watching your team, and your team absolutely sucks you can say to your kids as parents hey the kids in cleveland are watching the browns right at least you're not in cleveland there you go (laughs) on that note (laughs) (laughs) it could always be worse it could always (laughs) no matter how bad it is on your sunday watching your team it could always be worse you could be in cleveland you're right you could be watching the browns hey for everybody invited everybody involved in the sticky truth podcast for uh, myself, for Mike, for Scott, thank you so much. We'll be back with you at the end of the week to preview the NFC and AFC championship games.